Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. Uh, we've got an intimate tete-a-tete for you uh, for this week. <laughs> sadly, sadly, uh, none of my co-conspirators uh, can be here for this conversation. But I, actually, uh, sadly, no, well, in some ways gladly because I'm just going to thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, we have a special guest this week, uh, a, a friend, a friend who we've just worked out. Actually, we haven't seen each other for six months or haven't even really spoken much in that length of time, which is which is sad. We should do more. Um, and uh, but anyway, straight on to that. I would like to, to welcome back to the show for after a far too long a break, uh, a, a good friend anil mystery hey mate how you doing i'm good adrian how are you oh well you know uh, not too bad actually not too bad uh you know the like, the world is is all around us challenging us every day isn't it but you know you can i think you get to choose sometimes sometimes you get to choose whether you get a positive attitude to that or a, or a negative attitude to that and i'm happy to report that at the moment i am capable of a positive attitude <laughs> I'm happy to report that I am perfectly ambivalent. So it's the uh, I'm in stasis, emotionally, mentally, and physically. Well, I mean, yeah, that's a good segue into the reason you're here, isn't it? Because you, you've just completed your latest monumental work of art. So I can understand, right? You know, if you're on the downward curve of recovery from a burst of creativity. Yeah, I'm going to have to lie down and just, uh, you know, have my classical music, bit of read a bit of Poe and take a bit of opium. I'll be fine in about three months. And, uh, you know, ready to, I'll be fully recuperated and ready for the next thing. Are you some sort of, you know, Dickensian tragic hero? Is that is that what you're trying to portray this evening? I'm, I'm trying to, but it comes out more of a sort of, I don't know, Dick Emery or someone like that. <laughs> There's a name I haven't heard for a while. <laughs> was his famous catchphrase oh you are awful oh you are awful. Like yeah. you. yes followed then. by a smack in the face with a handbag that's right yeah god oh, blimey yeah you're aging us both there if we remember that oh, sure god. surely i remember that sitting on my dad's knee or something like that of a saturday tea time or something like that i can't remember that as a grown-up i'm not that old <laughs> <laughs> and neither are you <laughs> So actually, do you know what? There's another good segue. You're you're good with the segues today because we're here to talk a bit about your childhood, aren't we? When you when yeah. you tell our listeners uh, what it is that you have just finished, because it is a big project you've just finished, and we're here to talk about it today. Um, okay, uh, so I've just completed a new book, and it's called Hometown, and it's probably the culmination of about six years of on and off photography on the streets of Leicester, where I was born, um, specifically in an area called Highfields, uh, which um, I suppose every city has a Highfield. It's the area where basically poorer multicultural people live. Uh, it's usually the area of most cities where immigrants settle first because the housing is cheaper. And so traditionally they, those areas build up their own cultural and sort of ge geographical makeup, uh, which is quite distinctly different usually from the other parts of town. Um, so usually, you know, the first generation of immigrants, in this case in Leicester, a lot of um, Gujarati Indians who came over f between the 60s and the 70s. Uh, one of the main reasons was uh, a lot of them were being uh, persecuted and kicked out of East Africa by Idi Amin. Um, so in Uganda in particular, uh, a lot of Asians uh, moved to Leicester. And also, in terms of the political sort of backdrop to this, obviously India was part of the uh, Commonwealth. 
and there was a call for workers um, and it was a conti continu con continuity of the sort of post-war call for workers to keep the economy going in this country. There was, there was labour um, available and so people were allowed to come over from those countries. Um, and for better or worse, a lot of them did and settled. And so in Leicester, they settled in particularly an area, area called Highfields and Spinney Hill. They then moved to an area called Belgrave and Belgrave Road in Leicester is very famous now. It's known as the Golden Mile. It's where a lot of Indians live and it's the place everyone goes for a curry. So it's the same way that maybe South Hall in London or Wembley um, and each city has its area, you know, where all the Indian restaurants are, where all the Indian people hang out and live um, in, from that first generation. So I was born there um, and I, in this book, I've tried to sort of capture want of a better word, my sort of memory state and visual memories of how I remember that part of town and growing up, um, which is difficult because, you know, when I was seven or eight and kicking around the streets and rooting through skips, I didn't have a camera with me. I was just kicking around the streets <laughs> and rooting through skips and inhaling asbestos in old abandoned factories. Uh, but going back there, you know, 40 odd years later and starting to photograph the places where I, you know, kicked around and walked around and to sort of retrace my steps was an interesting thing to do. Um, and I had to do it piecemeal because I don't live there anymore. I live on the South Coast. So every time I'd go and visit my mum, who still lives on the same street and has done since, you know, I, I've been alive, um, I would go for a wander with my camera and just hang around the old places I used to hang around and just try and capture the life and what what I find poignant and interesting about that place. That's a, a great introduction. So I have here, you were very kind and you sent me a copy of the book. Um, I guess our listeners can have a listen to it. There we go. That's oh, Andrew's oh, new book. Feel that paper. That, it is nice. It's got a good heft to it, mate. Yeah. It has got a good heft for it. And it's quite thick. Right? I don't know. I describe it. It's it, a centimetre odd thick or nearly a centimetre thick. It's got a big title on the front that says Annual Mystery, Hometown and uh, a photograph. Uh, you know, it's, um, yeah, and it's solidly well made. Actually, it has the same thing on the back almost as well. Um, it's, it's a solid thing. It's definitely, and it has good, has a good weight to it as you say and um it's got tons and tons of images have you got any just out of curiosity not that it's an artistic comment in any way but out of curiosity any idea how many images are in this book well there's it's an a4 book there's 92 pages um so if in theory if we assume that there's between one and two pictures per page i don't know between 150 and 200 or something like that possibly wow um so there's a lot in there, but weirdly, I, there's a lot that didn't go in there as well. Um, there were so many pictures. I mean, I had to pull together in Lightroom all the photographs I'd taken over those six years and compile all these raw files into one massive project and then start to go through things. And that was a, a challenge in itself. Just I'm, that. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure it was. I mean, we would talk a bit more about that maybe in a little while about just how you how you attempt that kind of thing. Um, I guess, um, yeah, one of my first questions is, is that I, I was thinking, looking at it and, and thinking, you know what, I, how, how would I, you know, if, if I chose to do this, how would I even, uh, you know, go, go about starting and what have you, but but also what would what would drive me to do it? And, and I'm thinking, you know, I do have some mental images uh, of 
where I spent some of my formative years, you know, till I was maybe 11 years old, um, uh, not in Leicester, in Bristol, actually. Um, but uh, it's it, it's not somewhere that I, I seek to go back to. Um, I, I mean, I don't I don't have connections there anymore that that the, the, like the same way as the you do. And um, but what um, you know, what was the, the the trigger? Why 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 now? Or, or yeah, I know it's, it, it's the book is now, but the project has been. Well, what got you started? What was the what was the the emotion or the trigger or the thing that made you want to go do this? I, I think firstly, uh, being a person of colour and growing up in the seventies in the UK um, and in Leicester, you know, they were weren't easy times for um, if you weren't white. Um, they weren't easy times for white people. Frankly, you know, the country was. A, in a total shit mess at the time. Um, there, there was a lot of poverty around. And, you know, that area where I grew up, it was it was known as the front line. You know, every city in the 70s and 80s had what was called the front line, the area where, you know, the, the, the kids would fight the police and sort of, you know, there was a no-go zone. And Highfields, the area where I grew up, had the, the worst reputation. Um, it was so there was a big stigma attached to coming from Highfields. So automatically, just through the color of your skin and your your geographical you know birthplace uh you you came with a lot of baggage into the world and it was growing up when you have no control over your life and i think this is quite a universal story you know when you don't have money and you don't come from money you don't have any power and when you're thrust into the world just people judge you by the color of your skin it, it makes everything twice as hard so it, i think growing up you go through phases of being bitter and angry uh, it's very easy to go get on the wrong side of things, on the wrong side of the law and to get into trouble. And it was a, it was a very hard thing to sort of hold your shit together, for want of a better word, when you're surrounded by, you know, lots of crime and people, a lot of people having a tough time in their life because, you know, it was uh, life wasn't easy back then. Um, but then as you get older, um, your life changes and you know you become more empowered through the things you do yourself you become more confident in yourself and then you fast forward and suddenly you're a grown-up in your own right you're living in your own world you've built your own you know you're socially and upwardly mobile i suppose you've become a professional you start to look back on the things that you know um sometimes you, you almost felt you're or you're forced to feel ashamed of when you were younger you know, if I if I go to certain parts of Leicester, the posher parts, and where are you from? Highfields, you know, kids would roll their eyes and look at each other and, you know, go, oh, gosh, Highfields, I know that place. So you, it, as I got older, it actually became a, a badge of pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that I used to find didn't like when I was younger suddenly became interesting. And I've realised that the experiences I went through gave me an insight into life and, you know, an em- for what, you know, I think the best word is empathy. You When you come from things that are difficult you really get it when you see people who are having a difficult time and in this world you know it's a very judgmental world you know kids half the kids you know who are getting into trouble with the police they're, they're not criminals they just they just either have mental issues uh because they're depressed or they're just having they're playing out um through you know burning things or kicking things or nicking things and who hasn't done that at some point mm-hmm. um and it's easier when you come from money to have a support system and financially for parents to sort of help you out of that. When you don't, when you come from a world where your mum and dad are just working flat out, they don't have time to keep an eye on you. You have to rely upon your own wits on the streets and, you know, you're, you know, there, but by the grace of God, go you, you know? Um, And I've seen growing up, I've seen lots of friends 
some of them have fallen by the wayside uh, but then at the same time a lot of people have you know really built something up and now that area highfield is very much celebrated because it is a cultural sort of hotspot um it hasn't reached those shoreditch levels where suddenly it's being gentrified gentrified mm-hmm. uh, but it is known as an area that where a lot of the vibrant culture of leicester came from be it musically uh be it in terms of theater dance and so on um so looking back and going back there i i sort of revisited it with new eyes and also you know my father died a few years ago it, it added another sort of to my memories of Leicester and I almost felt like I wanted to capture some of the Leicester I remember when he used to drag me around pubs and I'd be stood outside having a, a glass <laughs> of lemonade. That did happen to you when your kids weren't allowed off. in the pub. You had to sit in the garden or the yard or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, you'd have to wait outside for hours and he'd be in there playing on the fruity or playing darts or something and then you'd just wait out there in the pissing rain. But that was just part of growing up and that was the, the thing. Um, and that's just the memories. And, and so after he died, I started going back to some of these you know, they're the opposite of modern gastro pubs with, you know, um, bare brick walls and um, vegan menus. These are shitty pubs where, you know, if you give someone the wrong look, you'll get a smack in the face. But these pubs were also where if you walked in and sat in a corner, you'd see men who'd been going there for decades and men who were a part of old Leicester and probably knew my dad. And this sort of thing, I end up hanging around these pubs and hanging up with people who were like my dad, just simple working men who just sat in a pub just for a bit of peace and quiet. And and that gave me a lot of peace. Um, but it also made me realise I was getting older. Um, <laughs> and so as you get older, in a weird way, you suddenly realise, you suddenly, it's not an obsession with history, but you start to look back on things. Um, and so this book is, I suppose, my, it's a very personal book, an attempt to sort of just capture things that I find interesting, funny, beautiful, poignant, strange um, and just different about where I live. And again, being born in this country, I, but being Indian at the same time, I see the world in two ways. I literally, I can look at any situation I come across in life and think like an Indian or think like an English person. And that's quite schizophrenic when you're growing up. So for me, it's also just a way of sort of almost trying to resolve these two, my, my visual state of how I see the world as well. Yeah. Do you that know, was a big mouth. That's <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's it's yeah, and the emotion in it comes through in the book. I mean all I've got to do really to sit to see the, the uh the, the the emotion that comes through is is to open you know, I, I guess it's the not quite the inside of the cover, but the first page. Uh and there's a photo uh on the left hand side of the page of your mum and dad, and then there is a uh, a short written piece you've written on the right hand side of the page describing some of the feelings and, and some some of the things of your childhood and the fe- and, and the feelings of your childhood and so you immediately start the book with you know a very emotional connection to it um I, I can imagine some of that was was quite hard to write yeah it was difficult also i i i went back and forth as to whether i should write it or not because again <laughs> and I'm sure we'll talk about this, when you start creating something, you, the, you're constantly testing and questioning yourselves and, think, and thinking, is this the right thing to say? And in, eventually I thought, fuck this, I'm, this, I'm just going to speak from the heart. It has to come from the heart. Um, and also I found that by writing this down, it clarified my thoughts, but I think it also give, gave the perfect context to the book. Mm. Um, without that introduction, um, it, it, 
it's it's a bunch of images which are interesting but with the introduction it starts to give a bit of insight into where i'm coming from so, so for me because i'm the recipient of this right and so yeah uh, uh, whether or not i'm target audience i i'm your audience for this evening sir um and you know for me that made a real difference to it because you know yes there's a, a fantastic collection of pictures and you know uh, uh, some amazing stuff and uh you know and it does it does give you the the images do give you a feel of a community uh you know a feel or feel of an area you know there's there uh there are some similarities um that you can pick up you know, so some of those similarities work at a very superficial level like the whole thing's in black and white for example um uh, the uh, other similarities are there are things like architecture in the background you know um uh and some of the you know the more the cultural the cultural icons in in the images be they you know traditional corner shops or or whatever there might be you know so so there's definitely a connection between all of these things that comes out but for me the 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 forward if that's the right term um definitely gives it a personal touch that wouldn't be there otherwise and really it changed for me the the feel of the book from being an interesting visual spectacle to being something that was a lot more personal than that so i'm very glad you did write it but yeah sure. i think i might just read it out because this being a please podcast, do it might give a bit of context to the listeners so um here we go this is the introduction to my book endless rows of red brick ha- terraces stretching into infinity the sweet fragrance of basmati rice wafting through the streets being broke and having nothing to do. Reggae sound systems playing in the park on a Saturday. The night skies alive with colour and fire at Diwali. Being chased across town by the National Front. Coming home to the smell of incense and curry. Freezing cold winters with no heating. Blazing hot summers without end. Hearing the call to prayer from mosques across the city as the sun goes down. The shouts and chatter of the market in that unmistakable accent. Bollywood songs pumped into the streets from passing cars. Kids on every corner playing noisily into the night. I'm a child of Gujarati immigrant parents who settled in Leicester in the late 60s. I spent my youth wandering the streets, becoming intimate with every corner of the city, and in the process fell in love with its very unique mix and clash of cultures. Leicester holds a special place in my heart and my imagination. And in this book, I've combined photography with three-dimensional photo montage to capture the way that the city exists in my memory. A chaotic landscape of overlapping images, textures, smells, characters, and emotions that have defined me. This is my hometown. So nice. Yeah, I felt, yeah. And it was, I mean, just, just writing that was difficult in itself you know, because I, I'm f- such a sort of self-critic and I start to think, is this becoming a load of mawkish toss? You know, wow. is this becoming And you're a bit of a big old softy as well, aren't you? I am. I am quite an emotional person and you know my i always double check my wife jane and say what do you think about this she said well this 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 is you and it's important for you to be in the book because you made the book and it lets people see introduces the book through your eyes yeah provide that context she was um, right also, as, as usual yeah. she was right <laughs> yeah and for me also i think the point is that that there's lots of things in that in that introduction that a lot of people will be able to identify with because it, it harks back to a particular time uh, particular feeling and an atmosphere 
yeah it it certainly does uh, as you say it's and as you say every city has its equivalent neighborhood and 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 you know similar type experiences and you know so i think that will resonate with a lot of people who, who would who'd have the chance to, to read the book um on, on to, to to some of the the artistic choices um because you mentioned there in the introduction uh the collage uh, approach yeah. that you've taken not not to every image in the book but um and this is um th- this was something that made it you know recognizable as a, as an annual book as well because <laughs> like i said to you just before we hit record i've got my copy of gar which is one of your zines from a couple of years back now mm-hmm. um, yeah. uh, and and you know one of the defining features of that zine was was playing with some of the imagery in photoshop whether it was giving somebody you know uh, a third leg uh, uh, as on the cover or, or, or giving somebody extremely large shoes or something like that you know just subtle stuff sometimes that you have to look three times to be able to spot um, you know, when, when I first saw the collage in in the new book in hometown, I, I was like, "Yeah, I can I can see that I can see the animal approach in this." But yeah, what what does what did the collage mean to you? Um, I think firstly, the one of the challenges with this book is it's a book I could spend twenty years making and still not finish, and I felt I had to reach a point where I, I did something and moved on because I've got so other, so many other projects in my mind, and. As I was making the book, sometimes I felt that I, I wanted to capture a sort of mood that couldn't exist in a regular photograph, or it could exist in a photograph if you waited 12 years to capture that one photograph and you happened to be in the right place yeah. to capture it <laughs> yeah. at the right moment. Mm-hmm. Um, because the older I get, the more I see that time is the enemy. And for me, that's why I, I'd like to try and be prolific and make things, as many things as I can. And it's through making things you can look back on them and really see what's working, what isn't. So. For me, I've so just to explain to people what I've done is so the majority of the book is street photography and and some portraits. But then what I've also done is I've I've created photographs from other photographs. And the way I've done that is I've chosen photographs, um, which I've then printed out I've then cut out elements from those photographs and constructed three dimensional scenes which I've then re-photographed to make a new image. So that's hence three-dimensional photo montage. It's where I've created scenes. So for example, there might be a person in the foreground and a building in the background. And those two elements weren't together in an original photograph, but in a way of trying to pull things together and create more intense, emotional, interesting moments, I've selectively captured characters and backdrops and put them together. Some of them feel quite realistic some of them, and that, this is a deliberate thing, in some parts of the book, you're not sure if you're looking at what one that is a photo montage or isn't. And some of them are deliberately a little bit more um, abstract. But by doing that, I can pull lots of elements together in one scene and make interesting moments um, that sort of almost become more than you know, some of the parts. I'm, I'm glad you said that some of them you're not sure, because some of them I've been looking at, and I think there's one, and I, I've, as luck would have it, I now cannot find it, but there's one where I, I was sort of half convinced that the there's, there's a, a frame, like a poster frame in the picture, and I was thinking, 
I think you've stuck something in there. I don't think that looks as like it's part of the original, and I, I can't for the life of me find it. That's the, that's the, the slight downside of there being so many great photos in this book. But there is there is somewhere you've chosen, yeah, and very deliberately either the the thing that you've stuck on top is either um, is either in sharp focus, whereas the landscape behind is blurred, or there are, or the, the the layer on the top is blurred, uh, and the, and the background is is in sharp focus. So those, those ones I was. Um, better able to spot like to say but you, yeah i haven't had enough time with the book yet I, I i i look forward to diving more deeply into it and spending more time with it but i think it's 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 a really um uh i, I like what you said there about you know waiting for for years and years and years for the shot as well because i think there's some i i know you know for, from you know uh, for, for, from just knowing um that that actually you know people and individuals and characters people who are characters especially uh, you know they're, they're a big part of your photography and I did yeah. get the feeling that some of them you like you should like you've been walking around your hometown you, you've you thought this is a really good iconic street shot like it's a it's a shot of a you know a, a street of terraced houses and I just think to myself do you know what Anna's taking that shot and then he's got it home and he's thought there's not enough people in this shot I'm going to put some people in it <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's not as yeah it's not as cynically done as that I think it's more what if there are I think the best word is texture. I think this approach to sort of creating images adds a level of texture, which it just feels otherworldly, which I really like. And I think it was important not to just make a whole book of these things, but to augment what was already there with these moments. Mm. Because in the process of doing that, just through the way you uh, lay out objects in your scenes to photograph them, you end up getting interesting moments of shadow and so on which just create start to build a life of their own. And I think for me, a good example is the cover picture, which um, the background is a scene of the swings in Spinney Hill Park, which is where I spent all of my youth. It's the park, one street down from my house. But in the foreground are these mannequin dummies of school children, which are placed outside schools. I think they're there uh, to slow down traffic. So oh, they're, right, okay. they're human-sized bollards that are shaped like children and painted to look like children in school uniforms. And they, they were placed all over the street in another part of town. So I took photographs of these mannequins and then introduced them into the park. And through the combination of these sort of plastic-looking children, uh, very static with their hands perfectly by their sides, but in a park, it just for me is it's a it creates this moment of children playing yeah um, oh it's good oh, the, you know what they remind me of they, 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 those those uh yeah, figures of, of children do you remember you used to have charity collection boxes it'd be like a kid with a dog and you'd put your and it was like a, a sort of yeah. fiberglass hollow sculpture and you could put your money in <laughs> yeah it was always a little girl with a labrador um, yeah yeah and, yeah, yeah. and, and she was um she was disabled, wasn't she? She had one leg. She, oh, I think yeah. she had some sort of thing on her leg. Oh, I actually tried to buy one of those from a charity shop a few years ago. Oh. And I went up to £300 and they wouldn't let me buy it. I said, look, it's for your charity. But I, I love those objects because they're deeply nostalgic. And I think nostalgia is a big part of my book. It's just capturing this. And it's not just nostalgia about looking back in time. It's For me, it's cultural nostalgia as well. Growing up listening to particular types of Indian music seeing particular the way people used to dress and now in Leicester 
I'll still see men in their 60s and 70s who still dress the way they did in the 70s when they probably walked down the street in their flares and their big heels <laughs> and they were the dog's bollocks. But they, you know, people reach a point in their lives, they've achieved a look, they don't move on, they just keep that look until they fall into their coffins. Oh, I can't imagine I what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but so, I, I love that. Yeah. And you've got you've got a whole bunch of these characters in the book as well because uh, yeah the, the collage the collage is great and uh, and they and the the collages sit in between the images that are the finished article straight out of camera right so the one I'm looking at right now is the, is the three fellows having a smoke outside the pub yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and you know uh, and it's got yeah it's got that sort of yeah slightly slightly worn down city pub kind of feel to it three 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 lads in the alleyway uh one of them's having a smoke uh they all seem to be quite happy that you're taking their photo um yeah yeah and it just it's yeah that 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 again to me is is something that i can i could i could look at that and go yeah that that's an annual style photo that is because you've you've got you've got character there and yeah the people are happy you've done your thing where you've been up to them you've given them your little multicolored things that say i'm a photographer please can i take your photo your little business cards you hand out to everybody and they're obviously having it they're obviously very pleased and and i mean that's just one example right there are plenty of other examples in the book yeah so, I, I love i love the fact that those three blokes who obviously at least in their 70s are still wearing white trainers uh, yeah. <laughs> one of them lost a leg at some point in his life along the way but the point is they've they've probably known each other and have been hanging out that pub for the last 40 years and for yeah. me that that's incredible and people forget that you know you walk past a shitty pub and you see a bunch of old dossers smoking their spitty rollies and you walk past them. These are human beings and uh, they're full of stories and they're just, they're lovely people and they're real Leicester people. And I like that. There's the, the Leicester accent is just wonderful. Um, <laughs> if you've ever watched a Shane Meadows film, uh, that Midlands accent that sort of goes from Leicester to Nottingham um, and Burton and sort of around there, it's got real character to it. Um, yeah. and it's, there's a lot of humour in that accent. There is well, and there's humour in some of the other images as well. I'm, and whether I'm supposed to find humour or not, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But there's one of, you've taken a two lads walking along the street carrying a bunch of pillows. Yeah. <laughs> so like... that was that was me sat on my mum's doorstep. All right. And okay. Had, yeah. And so in the in this book as well, what I've done is I've the photo I've came very, to you. Yes. <laughs> I've been very subtle about it. I've actually interwoven pictures from inside my mum's house as well. And towards the back of the magazine, uh, the, right. magazine the book, there's the very on the very second to last page, there's a photo of my mum sat on the doorstep staring out of the house, captured from the back, sitting there in her sari. Oh, yeah, yes, I see it. Yes, I, I spent decades sitting on that doorstep at various different ages. And so for me, there's a lot of very there's some very personal things in this book. Yeah, which I've interwoven in, uh, you know, moments captured in my mum's sitting room um, that hasn't changed you know, ever for decades. Um, <laughs> and it's that thing, you go back home and it's comforting, but it's strange as well. But it's, you know, if, if I went home and she'd changed everything, I'd be really upset. Uh, would you? That That's really interesting. My, my parents moved uh, when I was 18. So I went to university uh, and they moved. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair to them, they did give me the new address. <laughs> But the thing is, they've now lived there for 
30 years and of course i don't really i've that's that's not my family home i mean it's 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 part of my life because my parents have lived there for 30 years right but but it's not my home it's their yeah. home right so so i don't have a, a my home in that sense it, i have a hometown right which is yeah the, the one i still live in actually uh, and my parents still live in as well but um yeah so so i do feel very at home where i live and very relaxed and comfortable but but you know I don't have that house thing. So I don't go back there and think, oh, you moved the things in my bedroom because, you know, it was never yeah. my bedroom. But it's I, I just love the way. So going back to those lads on the street. So I was sat on the doorstep and it was a classic Leicester thing. And it's just some lads who'd obviously nicked a bunch of pillows and they were knocking on dro- doors to try and sell them. Oh, is that what it was, was it? They, yeah. they, they weren't furnishing their house that they just no, moved no, into. They, they were just... just yeah off the back of a lorry knocking on doors seeing if anyone wants to buy some pillows and i love that it's just you know you won't get that in surrey or you won't get that in you know islington or down (laughs) south here frankly you'll get that in leicester though and uh, i miss that there's there's humor there and there's real character there and i I love that yeah interesting that that's it's funny because that that it's when you tell the stories that it comes to life and i guess yeah i'm gonna go back now and look at that and see if they've got like a cheeky salesman type grin on their faces and stuff like that it's because uh i even remember the horse and cart that used to come down an actual horse and cart to take away rubbish and old washing machines there used to be an old so when all the indians moved into that area there was an old white guy uh, an old pensioner who had an allotment and he latched onto the idea, uh, realized that Indians loved coriander. We'd love fresh coriander for our curries and our cooking. Okay. So he started growing the best coriander, which we just couldn't find in any shops. So he'd start oh. selling it door to door from his bike. And he did, he made a very good living. Um, <laughs> these, these little industries of people starting to sort of, you know, learn to live with each other and learn about each other, which I really, really like. Yeah. Wow. It's a proper step toe, that, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh, so okay. Well, tell tell you what, like uh, we'll come back and we'll talk more about yeah, more about the the the, the pictures in the book and the things like that. But let's let's dive into a little bit of the the process, if I may, because I know uh, yeah, there's a lot to learn about the process here, and I have a, I have a few questions. But we talked a little bit about the collage and the whys and wherefores of the collage, um, but we haven't talked much so much about the layout. Um, how do you? I, this is a big book, right? This is, you know, there's clearly a huge amount of effort goes into these things. I mean, I did just, I rushed off, you know, a very quick zine of about, uh, you know, with about 20 images in it the other day, just to print some recent stuff and get it and try it. It was just a test print, really. So I, I hastily paired together some images that could be on facing pages and make a spread, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and that, that, process took me for 20 images you know let's say three hours one evening uh, uh, but in a slapdash way not in a production kind of a way like you've done here so just how much effort it goes into this and what how do you approach it and what are the stages in in your building a book like this um i think the first thing is obviously you have to have the photography there to begin with so over again over the past six years i've been taking photographs so the 99.999 percent of this book is digital there's one shot that was taken on an Olympus OM2N. Uh, the rest of them are uh, Nikon D750, a Fuji X70, and a Nikon D850, uh, with a whole variety of different lenses, depending upon what I was doing on the day. So I had to compile all of those raw files, first find them on my computer, and pull <laughs> them together into one enormous project, which was something like 5,000 photographs. Oof. 
because um, <laughs> I this is the other thing. I, I'm I'm a hoarder. If I've got disk space, I'll keep images because what I've also found is sometimes there'll be a, a portion of an image that you think is junk, or but you look at it and suddenly you find something beautiful in it that is really really interesting. Mm. Um, so, firstly, it's just pulling everything together and straight away within Lightroom, I start rating my images because you can rate anything from one to five stars. So I'll give, start to give things five stars and then pull everything else away and look at what I've actually got. And then I start to use my mental filter. I, it, it's, the, it's impossible to avoid visual tropes and cliches with photography. And you have to sort of bypass that and just ignore that because that's a given and you just have to go with your gut. So I'll start going through things and think, okay, what are genuinely strong images, images that I know I absolutely love and are really powerful. And they become, if you like, the pillars within the book. Mm. Um, I'll start just dropping them into a template of a book randomly <clears throat> across pages. So once I have those pillars, I can then go, okay, <clears throat> excuse me. Are the majority of those landscapey shots or wide shots or are the majority of those people, you know, what are those people doing? So then I can then start to fill in the gaps with another variety of different types of shot um, that capture other things. So, you know, when you go through the book, there are some moments of portraits. There are some random moments of just things captured on streets. And for me, it's about having variety. Uh, but firstly, I, I think... Obviously, it's the image is everything. The image in itself has to be strong. Um, and so probably about 80, 90% of the images are things that I really, really liked and felt were strong. And I don't want to use the word filler. I'll use the word augment because you, you reach a point where you, you need to balance a book out a little bit. So, for example, I might go, okay, I've got a lot of people in here now. Um, and, you know, with my uh, cliche alarm on, I'll go, okay, I don't want 100 pictures of the backs of people's heads or yeah. you know shots with strong shadows it all gets a bit dull i need something architectural let me find something that just has strong architectural form or i'll find a piece of graffiti or something else and so then that that journey leads you down to start reassessing the things you've already put in the book mm -hmm. so i end up with a bunch of little mental post-it notes of the types of shots i want um and so for me it's, it's all about balance i want moments that are just graphic and textural so, for example, there's a photograph that just shows a poster in the window of a butcher's shop um, with different cuts of meat and description of each type of meat cut, uh, which is just interesting in its own right. <laughs> but then there's um, a picture of a kid just uh, wandering by his dad in the park. His dad's looking away and the kid's near a bin. It was captured at a low angle and I just like the form of it. I like the structure of that shot. Um, so I, I just try to start... Once I've got past that thing of putting in shots that I know I absolutely love and must have in the book, start to look, you know, at things like, okay, am I getting things that are tonally interesting? Do I have shots that are really capturing these areas of Leicester um, in an interesting way? Because uh, for me, again, this, you know, Leicester, this area, it isn't just um, Asian people, it's black people, it's white people, it's old working class white people, it's, it's all types of people who are still living there and have lived there for a long time. And they will make up that area. So I want to make sure there's a sense of balance. Um, and then the other thing is there, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a real, I like technical, not perfection, but there are the odd shots, a couple of shots in here that aren't technically quite right. There's a shot with some girls just running down the street, one's in bare feet and one's on a bike. It's got that lovely sense of just kids playing on the street, which is what Lester always was to me. It's slightly blurred, but I love the, the energy in the photograph, and that's more important than the technical aspect of it. 
So I have a set of rules that aren't strict and they all sort of interplay with each other. And the other thing is what I will do is once I've constructed the book, I will leave it for a week and come back. And I'll go, oh, my God, half of that is junk. I'll pull it all out and start <laughs> again. And slowly, this took me, I actually made this book last year, <clears throat> excuse me, around September, October, and I started again from scratch. I didn't feel it was right. Okay. So I took the whole thing apart and sort of broke my thought process apart and started again. Um to, to get it right and so I'm quite pleased with that because you know part, I, I'm a fast worker but I'm also I want to try and I wanted to try and make this book as good as possible as on every level so I didn't want to rush it um, is, so is the momentum of the project important to the process though by the sound of it um I think when 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 it's going well I keep up that momentum so I'll, I'll I've, I've been fitting this book in around my day job um, so I'd be getting up at six maybe six in the morning and just starting looking through things and then before i clock on at nine and do my day job and then sometimes at weekends i'll just spend a whole day on it and if it's going well i'll carry on okay but sometimes yeah. i'll just yeah i'll down tools and walk away and leave it for a while because you you it's you lose all judgment you, you lose all objectivity um and even now i was saying to you earlier before we started to record it it, it gets very hard to just see your own work cold without being invested in it it's well that's difficult. something you put that much into you know it always gets that way doesn't it i mean yeah di different different output but in my professional life as well where i've got to do big things as i just could be something as as mundane as, as a long corporate report of some kind right if but you get to the point where you just have to yeah give it to somebody else go for, yeah walk away and say i can't see this anymore yeah i have no idea whether it's any good uh or, or whether i've completely missed the brief or or anything you know so i'm just gonna give it to you and you have a look at it instead and i'm gonna go and do something else also i think for me I, I, one one main thing i do is if it starts to feel like work i'll stop it i'll stop and i'll okay. park it mm -hmm. because for me my photography is it's something that's becoming a bigger part of my professional life but i always want it to be something i love doing i don't want it to become a pain and i don't want it to feel like work so when it starts to feel like work i'll park it because I, i'm going into it with the wrong mindset I want to really enjoy it and sort of get lost in the images and really put myself in that joyful space as opposed to make it feel like, oh, my God, you know, I'm going to print in a week. I've got to get this done. Do you know what? I, I totally get that. Maybe from a slightly different angle again, but I find... Um, I, I want to do so many projects around photography and other things, especially, you know, uh, I mean, maybe not book quite as this big, but I, I do want to be printing more and, and printing more small collections of you know, small bodies of work, you know, zine type stuff, I guess, you know, um, rather than rather than big things. But I, I find that the tooling gets in the way in the sense that so much of it has to be done on a computer. And I spend so much of my life sat at this desk right i'm sat at right now looking into this camera lens i'm looking into right now to talk to you all of which is a joy but is also physically very very similar to my working day right and so you know i mean i you know i switched off all my work stuff at 5 five thirty today i was like i said i've i you know I, i'm gonna go and have a break i'm gonna go and hang out with the kids have some dinner with the family just have a break walk you know be away then i'll be fresh enough to come back and talk to you <laughs> by the by the appointed time um uh, and you know and that works right i've learned that that works but it's so much of what stops me from doing more photography projects 
uh, beyond the actual photography is is the the physicalness of or the lack of physicalness of it. I don't know which way you want to describe it. So yeah. so yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're sat at home hours a day working as as many are these days, um, you know, do, have you got any special tips and tricks for getting the motivation to go back to the computer? Um, well, again, for me, it was just having something to do that wasn't the day job, you know, uh, yeah. and playing with pictures. Also, in a weird way, we were talking about this again before we started recording. I, I've uh, over the past two years, I've just I used to commute into London at least three days a week to work freelance with lots of different clients in different parts of London. And since lockdown, all this stuff began for two years. I've been working from home in this office and, you know, my sanity has reached its limit at points. And I've also found myself weirdly going into these very habitual things are very strange. It's almost like a, a a prison sort of routine. I'll get up at six, I'll make my coffee in a particular way. I'll do X, Y, and Z and I'll sit at the computer and it all almost became automatic and I rolled with it. Because if I, if, if I was doing it and it was keeping me productive and stopping me from thinking about the world going mad, at least it was, you know, it had a function. Yeah, yeah. So if I was doing that, because I couldn't do anything else, I might as well make it productive. Um, but again, for me, where where I can, I, I try and keep it as the fun thing to do or save it for the days when, you know, I can't go out. Um, so there's something to do at home. Uh, mm. So it's, I'm being creative all the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, it, yeah. Tricky, tricky topic, that is it, because it's got pros and cons. But we'll, we'll, we'll move on to something that's a little bit more, um, uh, a little happier. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, actually, uh, Joe, just organically, we're covering a whole bunch of uh, of topic mm. areas. I was hoping to talk to uh, about about this evening. Um, I said we come back to this one, um, which is that all the book is in is in black and white. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, by its very nature, a creative choice. Um, what what did that what what drove that choice for you for this one? Because I, I mean. A lot of your work that I've seen in the past celebrates the color, especially. If, yeah, okay, if you're going to pride in Brighton, right? Celebrating yeah. color is a good part of the imagery, isn't it? But 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 often color is a big part of your work. But this not so much. I for this, I, I think black and white suited it because it had more of a not not journalistic or documentary feel. It just unified everything as a start point. But also, I wanted this to feel be be quite dramatic. And colour can be dramatic, but colour can also create a lot of visual noise. If you've got lots of colour images on pages, it can start to feel messy. Um, but also for me, for the editing process, just making everything black and white and tonal, let me let my eyes rest on it a lot easier and make mm. stronger judgment calls uh, in terms of balance of images, uh, be it in terms of composition or content. Um, and also, the other point is just because these images came from different cameras, it allowed me to um, unify them um, in an easier way, but also I, I think I did. I just feel black and white suits this as well because I wanted it to have quite a timeless feel. Though it's set in, you know, it's very contemporary. Um, some parts of it feel very timeless. Um, they do. They and do, and certainly, I, I, I just like the way the black and white. Yeah, yeah, the black and white certainly helps with that. I, I also, um, I think, you know, it's interesting what you say about allowing your eye to. To, to rest on it because uh you know many of the spreads have four images on them because it is as you say it's quite a, it's a large book yeah. an a4 size book so if you had garish colors across four separate images on a single spread that that could be quite challenging i expect 
Yeah, it's just too much information and, and it, it gets confusing. And I, th I think, you know, it, it leads the eye and the brain off into off onto other tangents and stop, you stop focusing on the image. You start focusing on color and texture. Uh, whereas, again, the, the joy of black and white is strips things right down mm. uh, to a much, sim much more simplistic world. Um, which which makes it easier to absorb, and it, I, I think it makes it easier to get a particular kind of message across with, on a book of this size. Yeah, yeah, it 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 works. It, it works well. I I I know you said before we started recording that you'd like you'd love some feedback and some objective feedback and stuff like that. But I am a bit of a fan, yeah. so so so, <laughs> so text in the post. Yeah, that's why right. you already sent me the book. <laughs> but the yeah it, the invoices so, in the post yeah yeah they're fair enough fair enough so uh yeah it's um yeah it's let, let let's pick a few right can we can we pick a few of the images sure. and as i say i i haven't um i haven't had a chance to to really dive into this in the way that i will enjoy doing but but there are so there are some that have, have stood out to me um which uh which are quite interesting I think, um, you know, partly the, they're the ones that speak to the people in the community. Yeah, which is, you know, I know you love making photos of people. Uh, there's one of a, a little girl looking out of a living room window, I guess, uh, straight at you in the camera and uh, a, a chap, maybe her dad or another, you know, re uh, you know, male relative, you know, I guess was trying to talk to her through. But the way she's looking at you, she's like, you know, it, it's 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 kind of a natural candid moment, isn't it? It's a little child with curiosity and stuff like that. And, you know, the, you know, and the fact that you know, you're taking a photograph of a, of a young girl, uh, a child, yeah. and her father isn't trying to beat you up with your own camera. I mean, that's quite an achievement <laughs> as well, isn't it? Well, yeah, that, I mean, that, uh, this is, uh, it's one of my favorite shots. I just think it's, it's a lovely moment because children are so innocent. And so there's a girl inside a house staring through the window and, if you've ever been to Leicester, like a lot of uh, towns in the Midlands and up north, the, the streets are very narrow. Uh, it's just endless rows of terraced houses um, and the windows. People put all sorts of things in their windows. People are always peeping out of their windows to see what's going on. And so I was walking past this. And again, the camera was just at my hip and I just aimed up. I didn't even know if I had focus and I just cracked a few shots off. And as you said, you know, if that dad maybe had heard me, possibly would have chased me down the street and smacked me in the face uh, because a bloke walking past with a camera and getting a shot like that um, can look uh, dodgy at the best of times and this has been this has also been a challenge with this book because I'm always very conscious that I, I don't I, I, I heard someone use the word use the term poverty porn once which i found really interesting there is a lot of the time in street photography this this idea that finding something gritty where someone's having a hard time or essentially capturing poor people or people not at their best in gritty black and white is somehow you know edgy and cool and for me it's that sense of um you know slumming it you know in the old victorian days all the posh people would go down to the shitty parts of town to hang around with prostitutes and you know take their absinthe and whatever just the idea that it's it's a bit edgy and cool but from, firstly i come from that part of town and this is the other point i found i found myself questioning what i was doing a lot of the time whilst i was taking these photographs i felt am i somehow punching down am i somehow um you know taking advantage of these people and i i even sort of started looking into photographic law as well because i i get i got very you know because this is my hometown these are my you know people and areas i grew up in these people might see these photographs one day 
Um, and I have to question how I justify this. And it's quite simple to me, and it's the most innocent of things. I'm a person who comes from this part of town. I grew up there. I'm walking the streets. I'm just capturing life as it happens. And I'm, it's as simple as that. In that case, it was I was lucky to get this shot of a girl. I was walking past, a dad staring at, talking to her through the window, and she just uh, looked straight down the camera's lens. And that was a very, very lucky shot. <laughs> but it's no, also... It's you make your own luck but it, yeah yeah but it's a classic example of the kind of shot i'm always questioning and though it's the kind of shot that's really powerful and beautiful because it's so just innocent and, and it's just a lovely photograph and i'm really proud of it i i did question you know should i put that in that am i somehow you know taking advantage of these strangers uh, by putting this picture in this book it's, it's then, a really interesting thought because i know you are very much an advocate uh, in your street portraiture of mm-hmm. you know actually stepping up and speaking to somebody you know and when yeah. you organize photo walks and i know this because you've done it to me in the past right you yeah. do challenge the people to go up and and you know especially if people are nervous about that as many people are in street photography of, of actually going to speak to people and, and getting their permission effectively to, to take a photograph but you are a strong advocate for that and you know it, and it's just why you you often get you know lots of smiles in your photos your street portraits and stuff like that. people are pleased to you know pleased to have their photo taken um it's interesting that for, for you perhaps the challenge in that photo of the little girl is that you've behaved like 90 percent of street photographers and not asked permission in that sense um which is yeah. just a bit against the grain for you perhaps but the, the, i think it's a fantastic photo and it, it that you know it's it's one of one of one of a particular type of approach and the next one i'm looking at is is uh of the a barman pulling a pint in the pub young young fella oh yes yeah um so that was taken in the the same pub where uh the the three lads three old lads were sat stood outside oh okay yeah yeah so it's in the center of leicester city center it's a real classic old man's pub and um it's an irish pub and so there's a just a cheery barman pulling a pint and behind him is the fully stocked bar but there's it was also this was taken two years after Leicester won the premiership and so across the bar there's a big sort of home knitted scarf oh uh, that's what that is Leicester City stuff um Uh. and Irish stuff and I it's just I I love it it's just a welcoming bloke in a pub and also on the scarf you can see the Leicester phrase me duck you're at me duck yeah yeah and it's got Jamie Vardy foxes never quit uh so it's just a lovely Leicester thing. Then above it is in the background is a CCTV screen. And it's just that moment of a bloke pulling a pint. And, you know, yeah. I was yeah, it's very a, happy pulling him. that pint. I have to say, yeah. it's just like, yeah, it's, it's, very, it's it, yeah. And it's, um, it, yeah, it, it's, it definitely says joy of pubs to me. I mean, one, one of yeah. my great joys in life is, and I don't get to do it anywhere near as often as I, as I would like to. Um, but one of my great joys in life is just whiling away the time in the pub, not necessarily to get drunk, although that is often a happy coincidence. Um, but, you know, yeah, especially on like a Saturday afternoon or something like that and watching the world go by. I miss I miss that. Uh, and and this, this picture sort of brings back that sort of thing for me. It's yeah, yeah it's... a pub is a youth club for adults. What's not to like? <laughs> yeah, dad crash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, okay, on the very next page, right? Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to commit for for what for some people would be absolute heresy, but for me is intended as a compliment. There's a picture on the next page which reminds me of a, a very famous Cartier-Bresson picture. 
the picture in this case is your book is is of a little boy he's crossing the street and he's got what looks to be two cans of whipped cream under his arm <laughs> it's obviously been sent to the shop by his mum or something like that <laughs> It, rem- it reminds me very much of the famous Cartier-Bresson uh, shop with the little boy, the little French boy with a huge bottle of wine. Uh, I don't know if you know the shop, but he's walking along the street and he's looking proud as punch because he's been sent off to buy the wine. By his- but he's only about eight years old, you know. He's been sent off and well, the- whatever the French equivalent of the offer is to get some wine for dinner. <laughs> so that was... That was just uh, that was actually a crop. So to the uh, in the shot is a boy in the bottom left of frame, and he's holding. I think he's been shopping with his mum because I cropped out his mum and his uh, younger brother or sister. Ah, I see. Okay. Uh, so he was walking alongside mum, and they were all loaded with shopping. But he had this. It's just the way the light hits his face. He's just got a fantastic expression on his face. Yeah, he does. Um, yeah. Also in the background, there's uh, the window of a barber's shop with all the different sort of those classic photographs of different men's hairstyles you can get in barber's shops. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. Um, yeah. And then the the street signs and things around him, and um, I just felt he looked just just lovely, and I, I felt it was quite a timeless image. Um, you know, you could be a kid, and kids are timeless. They their expressions, they they just live in their kids' world, and then that never changes. You know, their their minds are full of kids' things. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they're, they're just the motion of of him it, it is lovely. I just felt it just made a really really nice image. Uh, but again, going back to the whole editing process, cropping is also important. Yes. Um, sometimes looking at a whole image and then just breaking it down and playing with crops, you can discover things that are really really interesting within the most mundane of of images yeah do you know i could sit here and chat about all the pictures in this book with you all evening it'd be even better for actually in the, in the same place if we could go through them together you know in in, in no particular order other than they catch my eye there's, there's one of a you know look at looking out through a window at the back of a house into a, a paved yard which which is very evocative that's my backyard i was gonna i was gonna ask was that your mother's house and, was it yeah, yeah and yeah. that is the backyard which is probably about a meter wide by six meters long and that was where i played as a child and ran up and down that backyard and that is the size you know the, the it was literally a two up two down terrace that i grew up in um and these houses are small everyone lives right on top of each other they share a, a side passage between every two houses and it, it's a very very close you know for better and for worse uh, community yeah um, no, it's, it's, but it's... i love just architecturally it's yeah it does. It speak. It speaks. Something about that shot speaks to me. Yeah, uh, and yeah, it's uh, uh, yeah, it's it's just one of these. As I say, in, in no particular order. There's there's a page where you you've managed to sneak in an, an almost abandoned mattress on one page. I notice. Uh, yeah. Uh, where was that? Um, well, it's about two thirds of the way through. So on a, uh, oh yes. It's in, yeah, in, indoors. That's in my mum's house as well. Is it? Is it? And then the the picture next to it are two old guys sat on a bench in the sunshine, just relaxing in the sunshine. There's there's some fast, yeah, some, some fantastic stuff here. Um, I tell you what, though, what I'd be interested in, what what would you, what would be the the couple of images, couple of three images that you'd pick out to talk about? Because I'm interested in what you think about these as well. Um. Okay. The first one I would say is the the, the image on the back cover. Uh, which is a close-up. Uh, it, it was a portrait I took of a man in a pub. And this was about four days after my father passed away. I was in the Leicester City Centre taking care of some documentation for my dad or something. And I went and sat in a pub for a moment and got chatting to this fella who was 
just regaled in gold jewelry and he's got you know lots of gold chains around his neck gold rings gold wristwatch and so on and he had a crutch as well and i just sat in the pub and we got talking and we had a good old chat and then met his wife and his wife's mother i took photographs of them which is also in the book oh, okay. and these were just leicester people and i had a really lovely chat about the old days in leicester and again you know he knew all the old the old factories where everyone used to work the old places everyone <laughs> used to hang out the shops that were there that aren't there anymore it's a classic thing you get in every every town basically yeah but you, you, you turn, really turn, go, go down the road turn left where the cinema used to be exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. and, and it, it, just, it was a really grounding conversation it just made me feel at home and i just love i love to speak to strangers and you know people you know, there's comfort in strangers. And I truly believe in that. You can share things with people you've never met in your life much easier because you know you'll never see them again. And your troubles are universal and you go away just feeling like you've had a moment of connection. And for me, that picture is just, it's just an example of, for me, it's like a, the kind of reward you can get from speaking to people. Photographically, you know, an interesting looking person. I started a conversation with him. I sat with him probably for an hour or two, had a couple of pints, uh, got some really nice photographs shook his hand and just just you know we we both got something out of that and so i love that for me that's the essence of how i like to do photography the other one which i think is my favorite photograph in the whole book um i was in on belgrave road the uh also known as the golden mile the street which has lots of indian restaurants in leicester i was sat inside a cafe and um on the um i had a camera facing out in to the street the sun was going down so we had beautiful golden hour and the light was hitting the back of everyone who walked past the window and i must have taken about 100 photographs of people walking by but i captured this shot of a little girl and i i just it's my favorite picture it's just really poignant i just think it's beautiful it's a little girl she's holding a teddy bear she's i think she's got a few crumbs or something around her face she's had been having something to eat she's got quite red cheeks um and she's just scowling a little bit and the sun is just hitting the back of her head and behind her is a silhouette of someone walking the other direction um i, I just love that shot there's a, something just for me it feels like a still from a movie um it does yeah it does have that yeah because although although it's backlit, it's also is. her face is lit quite nicely there must be something reflecting the light back yeah. into her face or you know, off a door or a mirror you know, or a window or something like that yeah yeah Nice. Yeah, I love I it do because like she's a one. young girl, but she, she has an old face as well at the same time. She looks like she's... <laughs> she's got a bit of a face on, hasn't she? Let's be honest. She's got a bit of a yeah, face. Yeah, it's lovely. She's just got a wrinkled nose, and a face. She's deep in thought, and I just love it. Yeah. And I think that's probably my favourite picture in the book. Cool. Um, yeah, I do, I do like that and one. And I'll, I'll maybe pick one more, which is... Sure, um, go for it. A fun one. I was walking down the street, and... Uh, the bin men stopped in their big bin truck um, on the corner. So just as I was about to cross the road, this, the front cabin of this uh, refuse collector's truck pulled up in front of me, blocking my way. And inside were a bunch of bin men who were having a laugh because one of them had obviously found this giant fake flower um, in, in one of the bins or something. And they were messing about with it and he was offering it to me. And we just had a bit <laughs> of a laugh and he allowed me to take some photographs. So it's just... Uh, and I love that picture. It's just the bin man offering me a flower from his truck. Nice. Um, yeah. yeah. Cool. And again, it's, it's, that, that, it's those simple everyday little moments that 
if you're lucky you manage to capture them but it's all about you know with with street photography it's i didn't have to go out that day but i wandered around for about five hours and i got that shot because of that and now i have that shot and i own that shot and i'm just pleased i have it and i'm pleased i captured that moment in time because for me it's it's lovely you know again strangers smiling and connecting yeah absolutely yeah. That, that, that's that's a that's a nice point actually to just to capture it sums it up a little bit in some ways you know the, the connection between between things and, and between people so t- tell me then um you know fantastic fantastic book thank you for sharing the process you went through the thought behind it the inspiration for it and, and of course the joy of talking through all of these photos as well it's brilliant and um, what are your aspirations for this as a book uh, my aspirations are quite simply for people to like it. Um, I've published this through Fistful of Books. So um, I got to know Simon Robinson through an, a previous book. I sort of half did. I made the book myself, but I sold it through him. But this time it was published through him. Um, Fistful of Books is a, a little uh, UK-based publisher, and they do some really lovely street photography and documentary photography books. Um, and um, I... I presented the idea to him we had a few chats back and forth and he loved it so I was really pleased um I thought okay let's let's just do this so I put the thing together I, I would just like it to go down well because I, I'm I'm very conscious that it's it's quite a personal book um and but I hope because of that it's interesting um and I was trying this is probably the most important book I've made in to my, for myself anyway till now I would just like people to to enjoy it really because it, it it represents a part of the world that probably wouldn't be photographed or people don't really know about it's these are sort of people who are usually unrepresented don't get me wrong i'm not trying to be worthy here or i'm not on some great mission this is just where i grew up and yeah, these yeah. are you know leicester these parts of leicester aren't glamorous but they're very very interesting and when you put these things together there's a, a d- d- definitive texture that i'm really trying to get across and a mood um so i hope that that i simply hope that comes through and i I simply hope that you know in that in a world where there's so many photography books that someone people buy this and find it of interest it's as simple as that i i think they will and i think i i I think it's one of those books that people will go back to as well and look at multiple times and it's going to be every time you open it you see something different because there is such a uh that there's there's so much visual richness to it i think i you know it would be uh i, f- I find myself you know thinking oh god we've got to do the podcast now and i've only bit i feel like i barely flicked through it at a million miles an hour i want to spend more time i want to dive deeper uh i've probably said that quite a lot in the last hour or so actually that i need to spend more time with it um so so i think it's going to be one of those things that people come back to uh and look through and go, oh, i didn't see that first time around or i didn't see oh i get that joke now you know or yeah uh and things like that so um i de- definitely think there's a, a a lot lot to experience in it um i guess one of the most important questions is is how can people get a hold of a copy of the book okay um it's quite easy so it's on sale through fistfulofbooks.com so f-i-s-t-f-u-l-o-f books fistfulofbooks.com and there you, you'll find um hometown the book and there are two versions. So there's an open edition. We've currently printed 100 that you can buy, which is just the book. But there's also an, a limited edition of 25, which have been signed. And along with that, there's also um, each signed copy comes with an A4 archival print, uh, oh, which is nice. an image from the book, 
which is an image which I felt best represented my Leicester, which is uh, the image after the intro to the book, which is quite simply, it's a the window of a house and the curtains are peeping open, but peeping through is a mannequin of a woman wearing a sari. <laughs> yeah, so I saw that one, made me smile. Peeping through a house, yeah, and um, but it happens to be a mannequin and it's quite spooky and it's quite funny. Um, so that's been printed as uh, signed A4 print on, um, it's an archival pigment print on burrito paper. So it's a really beautiful print, which will last forever. Nice. Um, and so that's, you can, there's 25 copies of the book and the print that are available as well. Um, and also if anyone knows me on social media, they'll know that I'm sort of flogging <laughs> and promoting the arse out of the book at the moment. So I just like everyone <laughs> to know about it. So if you follow me on Instagram, which is at Anil Mystery Photo. Um, or on Twitter at Anal Mystery, or online at analmysteryphoto.com. Um, you'll, you won't be short of seeing opportunities of where to buy the bloody book. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. That's that's good. Yeah, because other people can get to enjoy it then as well, can't they? Yeah. I, I do hope so. Yeah, yeah, I think it's brilliant. Listen, mate, thank you ever so much for coming on to talk to us today. Um, talk to me, actually. It's not an us today, is it? It's a me. Um, uh, and yeah, it's been great to catch up. It's been way too long. Um, do you know, last time I think you and I did a photo watch, remember we organised that sunrise walk in Worthing? Yes. Do you know that's just over two years ago? Oh, my God. Uh, well, yeah, um, I was thinking the other day. I was like, oh, "We really, yeah, we've got to get get doing more of that sort of stuff. Need to get out and about yeah. more this year. As different, as challenging as that is in some ways, as challenging. Yeah, but, but, God, that's so that's 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 just flown by, and it will be a photo limp for me now. Now that my knee is gone, so uh, I'm I'm actually I think I might actually have to buy a really small light camera that I can just carry around whilst on crutches ah okay that's so so you you are somewhat known for carrying around like a proper full-size dslr yeah. a lot of the time yeah and that's that yeah. that's your that's your go-to camera of choice a lot of the time when you're out and about i actually thought of a project last night whilst lying in bed high on painkillers um sorry for uh just for context there <laughs> listeners I, I, i've just had knee surgery so I, i'm allowed to have the painkillers um i um i thought of a, a book an idea for a book called penance so the idea of buying a, using a small camera with a very wide angle lens, but going into really busy areas and getting down on my knees, which is very painful for me, and getting right down on my knees and taking really low angle photos. So I look like I'm praying in really busy areas and seeing what happens. And just doing a series of photographs called penance. That, that's dark, mate. That's... <laughs> <laughs> May I put, humbly happen, suggest I'd... you take fewer painkillers? I don't know. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'd more, imagine it's more. be quite funny. Be like, Who's this moron lying on the floor with a camera? Why is he doing that? Oh, I'm dead. Well, um, yeah, I'm using a point and shoot camera most of the time at the moment, actually, I have to say. And there are definitely uh yeah all, all cameras allow you to do certain different things don't they better than others but uh, i'm very much enjoying the the freedom of a point and shoot camera myself at the moment so i yeah if you get, want to give it a try yeah get, go for it give it a try so it's quite surprising what you can achieve uh, and and also of course if it's not what you're used to some of the frustrations and before you, before you get to the learning bit the frustrations you go through to get to the learning bit yeah let's see how long it takes me to get beaten up or run over <laughs> probably run over if you're just kneeling painfully on the ground probably probably run over you only get beaten up if you start shouting at the same time i expect (laughs) now there's a thought (laughs) okay um i sense that we've probably reached the end of the fruitful and listenable part of the conversation (laughs) 
so my inclination is to say thank you once again and uh yeah i wish you all the best of luck with the book um i i'm loving it um and uh yeah and uh i look forward to spending more time with it and, and um you know and let's not be let's not be strangers for so long next time you know you take care of yourself and especially that knee um thank you aid it's been a real pleasure to be back on the show and really really appreciate you making the time to have a chat with me and um yeah speak soon and hopefully we'll go out for a shoot at some point uh we'll see you again soon take care bye-bye cheers bye-bye